Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Vernicus Charette. Say what? Doc G, what's up, sir? Thank you for having me, as always. Woo! Mike, it is a great day to be alive. Am I right, sir? It's a beautiful day. Yeah, it really is. It really doesn't matter what the day actually looks like to be alive. It could be the worst day outside. Yeah. As long as it's not <laughs> like the apocalypse, I'm fine with whatever the day is going on outside. You know, if it is, yeah. you, you know, if like a volcanoes are erupting everywhere, that's a downer of a day. But aside from yeah. that, you know, it's a good day mm-hmm. to be alive. Yeah. And this is a it's good beautiful. day to be alive, Mike. Yeah. Did you get your party on for Memorial Day? Doc G, we had some. Uh, what did we? We had uh, the spiked kombuchas. Wow. You know, raging little barbecue food. Raging. We did it. We you partied. did barbecue food too. We did. Yeah, we had some bar- little bits. A little What'd bit of barbecue have? food. I don't. See, it's not even. You know, I'm just gonna say it's more of. We had an American meal. We had chicken tenders. <laughs> what? Baked beans. We didn't actually have anything on, the on a grill. That did not happen. No grilled food. There was no grilled food. Okay. All, yeah. all right. Well, just, uh... You do love your chicken, though. You do love your chicken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicken tendies. Now, were these love chicken it. tenders from, like, a uh, takeout place? Did you did you go out there? Did you get did you get a little Nashville hot chicken? <laughs> that would have been... That would have been killer right there. Doc G, we, you know, we kept it really American here. We, we got the Target uh, oh. pre-made... Store brand chicken tenders. Yeah, that's right. We're good. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, listeners. Mike (laughs) is practical, but he also likes to celebrate American style. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, we kept it. We kept it. Now, uh, I mean, that sounds like a summer meal, Mike. So true. That sounds like a summer meal, and Memorial Day is a bit of the unofficial start of summer. Am I right? Yeah, it it is. It is. I would say that. I love summer, Mike. It's my favorite. It's my favorite season. I'm not even gonna like sit here and try. I don't like people. I, I shouldn't <laughs> say I don't like people. That's a little bit much. But when a person says like they love winter, huh? Just love it, and I'm like, really? Really? Nah, like, nah. I can understand if you love winter and you're in Miami. You love winter mm-hmm. and you're in Maine. No. Definitely not, Mike. That is not the case. I am not a fan, you know? Summer, nah, you can no go way. out. Doesn't matter. Here's one of the things that I love about summer. You don't have to think about what you're wearing. Nope. Right? Mm-mm. Aside from just making sure you're not completely naked, you don't have to worry yeah. about what you're wearing. It's going to be fine. Tank top, good. Shorts, good. Pants, who cares? T-shirt, who mm-hmm. cares? Anything goes. You can't do that in winter, you know? Nah. You can't go, ah, I'll be fine. All of a sudden, you go out to 7-Eleven, and you're in your tank top, and you freeze to death. You literally die, Mike. 
It's horrible. <laughs> Dog G, also, everybody thinks you're about to rob the store, too. Yeah. You know what? You got a tank top. It's December. Exactly. Come on, what What's, are you doing? What's this guy doing? <laughs> what is he doing? Is he planning on stealing all of our taquitos? Oh, no. <laughs> this is horrible. Is he going to take all of our wrap snacks? Oh, no. He will. He will. <laughs> a, that guy will. I love wrap snacks. We've talked about them They're before good. on the show, Mike. I've never actually had mm-hmm. them. I just love seeing them. I should cross oh. that line at some point and have a wrap snack. Anyways. Doc G, I, I will tell you, I have a memorial of wrap snacks. I've had almost all the flavors. Wow. And, uh, this is something I've never talked to you about, but yeah. And I think I still have it. I'll take a picture. I'll send it to you. I am amazed. <laughs> <laughs> people people out there in listening land, I my respect for Mike Charette has just gone up 100%. 100%. Thank you. <laughs> because he loves rap snacks, and I admire mm-hmm. a person that loves rap snacks. So true. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what I wanted to talk about, Mike. I wanted to talk about summer, because it is the unofficial torch of summer has been lit with Memorial mm-hmm. Day, and we are on our way. And Mike, on Memorial Day, I was sitting back, relaxing, not partying, not celebrating an American <laughs> meal like you. I was doing what I do, which is I was reading my favorite periodical, which is Pioneer Woman magazine. So true. I think we all know nice. it. We all love it. And Mike, <laughs> I was I came across in the old Pioneer Woman magazine a quiz. A quiz oh. measuring... My knowledge of summer. Mm. Mm. Okay. Now, Mike, uh, since this quiz was made for Americans, it's not that difficult. They they give you a 50-50 chance of getting these questions right. Um, <laughs> okay. But when I saw this quiz, I immediately thought, Mike, Mike Charette, I thought about your hard knock life coming up. No lockers. Mm-hmm. Polk no lockers. County. Struggling. Jeez. Getting through yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and I was Mm -hmm. like, this would be a valuable service for Mike. Mike will learn about summer, and our listeners will learn about summer. So, Mike, do you want to take the Pioneer Woman quiz? Pioneer Woman Summer quiz? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's do it. Here's the first question. I think it's a pretty easy one. We've talked about it before. We've had it on the show before. What is the hottest place on Earth? Death Valley, Sahara Desert. Oh, Death Valley. It's got to be. Correct. Mike. Yes. And you've traveled there, right? Several times, I think. Oh, Maybe? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been there a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, that's where his nickname came from, folks. It's cool. That's his nickname. Fernicus. That came from, mm-hmm. he went to Death Valley like one of the first weeks he was on the show co-hosting. And I was like, that sounds yeah. hot. It's a tad hot there. It's a, a bit furnace, much. Yeah. And I, I, I love the heat. Don't get me wrong, Mike, but that's a little bit much. Yeah. A little bit much. Mike. Yeah. Uh, next question. In which two months are the Summer Olympics usually held? June and July or July and August? Hmm. I'm going to go with uh, June and July. Come July on. July and August. July and ah. August, Mike. July and August. You think about it? I don't know if you... I, I'll, I'll be honest. When I saw this question, I sort of thought like they went by where it was being held, you know? Mm. Like if it's a place in the Southern Hemisphere, I was like, eh, maybe it'd be different than the Northern Hemisphere, you know? True. 
Yeah. Because like you know, like, but apparently not. Apparently it's, it's July and August. I didn't know it was set. Come on. Anyways, yeah, it's not. This one I also had no clue on. The next one, no clue. What is the traditional birthstone of the month of July? Ruby or pearl? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna go with ruby. Ruby is correct. Yes. Hmm. Nice. Ruby. <laughs> I, guess, I mean, I guess I could see it, you know? Like, I honestly, do you think there was any thought going into any of those birthstones? Like, reasoning of why, what month is what? Hmm. I don't know. I've no, I've never looked into it. I'm but following it seems up, Mike. Random. I'm following it up. That's a good, boring thing that no one wants to hear that I am going to force upon them. They are going to hear about birthstones and how they originated. But regardless, Mike, nobody's going to beat my birthstone. April's got it. April's got it. Diamond! Suck on that, everybody! Yeah! (laughs) Diamond! The hardest diamond. The it hardest uh, mineral. I, I still can't afford my own birthstone, but guess what? Mm. It's better than everybody else's, so take that. I looked <laughs> in for a while, Mike. I looked into a black diamond necklace because I'm a baller like that. Mm. I never yeah. never got it because I didn't want to spend like $3,000 on it, but you know. Doc G, gold chain, black chain, what uh, kind of chain would you go I'm, with? I'm a silvery chain. I'm a silvery mm, chain silver man. Silver chain, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or white gold. I'll do white gold, you know. I mean, I'd do diamonds if I could afford it, but obviously I can't afford it. Like, you know, one of those full <laughs> diamond chains is like, what, 20000 It's something insane. Anyways, Mike, yeah. moving on. Diamond birthstone, awesome. Uh, next one, <laughs> Ruby, that's what we're here for on the summer quiz. Um, <laughs> which U.S. city hosts a UFO festival every year in July? Roswell, New Mexico, or Aurora, Texas? Think obvious. Okay, Roswell for sure. Roswell for sure is correct. There we go. Very nicely nice. done, Mike. Uh, Mike, this one, you are not a new tunes type of guy, especially on the pop side of things. Hmm. So this one might be tough. Uh, okay. What was the most streamed song on Spotify in the U.S. during the summer of 2021? Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo or Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo? Hmm. I'm gonna go with deja vu. Sounds it sounds, but I don't know. It sounds no catchy, right? It sounds it <laughs> sounds, but good. it's not. It's good. It's good for uh, you. It's a song. She's like, "Good for you. You're doing great. I'm not doing great. We broke up. I'm all sad." Meh. That's what the uh, song's about. It makes it makes yeah. sense, you know. But I couldn't get into it because I'm not a 15 year old girl. So you know. <laughs> but. Good for O-Rod. She's doing great. She's got like 37 Grammys. She hangs out with uh, uh, Joe Biden. She makes millions of mm. dollars. Good for her. You know? Yeah. She's doing a little bit better than me. Slightly. Uh, Just a bit. Okay, Mike. What does the <laughs> SPF on sunscreen stand for? Skin protection factor or sun protection factor? Hmm. I'm gonna go with sun protection factor. I don't know why, but I'm you are correct, Mike. Nice, Mike. I was talking about this earlier, and I gotta be honest. I I taught myself into sun protection factor. I initially mm. was like, why wouldn't it be skin protection? You're protecting the skin. 
but you're yeah. protecting it from the sun. So I see mm -hmm. sun protection. How much yeah. is it protecting? Anyway, mm -hmm. either one works for me. I honestly, come on. It's not like a scientific acronym. It's not like, you know, <laughs> sun polychrosis uh, fortification something or other, you know? Uh, that was dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anyways, Mike, uh, next question. Which holiday marks the unofficial end of summer in the U.S.? Memorial Day or Labor Day? Before you say anything, think back to the start of this and what we said. And remember, this is unofficial end of summer. End of the summer. Yeah, uh, I'll go with Labor Day on this. There one. it is. It is. It is yes. Labor Day, right? That's a day for college foosball. You know, you got college football mm -hmm. on Labor Day. On Memorial Day, you've got uh, you've got uh, cookouts. You know, and that's your unofficial start to wearing white, and your unofficial end to wearing white. If you mm. uh, ascribe to that old uh, fashion adage, huh? Nope. No. White all, all year. I don't. I don't think yeah. anybody under the age of uh, <laughs> seventy does. But you know what? I'm with you, seventy year olds. Nope. I ascribe yeah. to it. Nope. No white after Labor Day. <laughs> Anyways, Mike. Uh, next one. Which vitamin do you get from Sunshine? Vitamin D or vitamin C? What is it? I'm gonna go with vitamin D. That is correct, Mike. We all. Yes. Need to nice. get a little D on her face. Wait, what? Just put that Ooh. D on your face, Mike. Huh? Put it on your face. <laughs> what? That is vitamin right, D, Dr. listeners. <laughs> vitamin D. If you were thinking anything else, you are sick perverts that deserve to be beaten. Anyways, Mike, which month is celebrated as National Blueberry Month? Is it June or is it July? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to go with June. June sounds right. July, Mike. Ah, uh, come on. It's red, white, and blueberries. Red, white, and blueberries for the 4th of July. That's mm. it. Later in the season. I thought about this one before I answered it, and I honestly went with July, and I was like, you know what? Takes a little bit longer, especially if you're in northern months before mm. those, uh, those, yeah. those blueberries become ripe. If we're talking like... If we're talking like Maine, it might not even be until like August, you know? Ooh, yeah. But if you're talking like Florida, it's all year round because we're awesome. Yeah, we got We're yeah. awesome. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, we are behind. I've got a couple of questions I don't think we're going to get to, but uh, I'm going to, let's see. I'm going to end it with this one. Which year was the beach ball invented? Hmm. Hmm. 1927 um, <laughs> or 1938? I'm sorry, I paused. I know you were like, I got to guess the year? That's gonna... uh, yeah, no idea. Um, 1927 would... or 1938? I'm going to go with the latter. 1938. Seems like 27 was a little too soon for the beach ball. Nailed it, Mike. Nailed it. And yes. By the way, nice. more people got that question wrong than got it right that we're guessing. So you beat the mm. you beat the you beat the curve on that one, Mike. Nicely cool. done. Good to know. Can you just imagine for a second living in 1938 when somebody comes in and tells you, <clears throat> "Guess what? Guess what? New invention! <laughs> it's a ball, guys!" Mm. And you're like, "Really? Six hours of fun? <laughs> really? 
thought we invented the ball like a couple hundred years ago. And like, this one floats. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You put it on top of the water. It can just keep going. You put it in the air <laughs> and it blows down the beach for a mile and a half. And you just give up and go, you know what? We we lost that one. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. gone forever. Give it up. Mike, now thanks to Pioneer Woman, we are all the smartest people in the world. Me, you, the listeners, we all got it. I think you only got what? You got two wrong? Eight for ten? I, I think, think so. I think I it was know. eight for ten. I did uh I'll take it. Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics and uh the the other one. The other one was the Blueberry. No, no. Oh, ah. three, seven for ten. Blueberry ah. and uh O Rod. Uh, Olivia Rodriguez. Yeah, you say, hey, uh, that is good. I'll take it. That is good yeah. for Florida. Not bad. A little precursor to a story we got coming. Seas <laughs> get degrees. <laughs> Mike, are you ready to fire up this show that has the best quizzes from Pioneer Woman? <laughs> yes. Fired up, sir. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Yes. Yes, Mike, I am super excited about the show. We have none other then Peter on Spock from the fantastic band A Goose. Here it is. Listeners, I was uh I was pausing there for a second because I was getting their vinyl. I am now hoisting <laughs> it. It is the Shenanigans Nightclub vinyl. That's I had beautiful. To, had to get Shenanigans Nightclub because their new album has yet to be released, but it is coming out, mm. folks. It is coming out very soon. It is drip-filled, and we are going to be talking to their great keyboardist, their great guitarist, Mr. Peter Onspock. Mike, these guys, this is this is not a joke. This is for real. They have sold out Radio City Music Hall and Red Rocks, both. Two wow. shows in both uh, arenas or, or venues. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's huge. Can you imagine a time that the Doc G Show could sell out Radio City Music Hall? Soon. Yeah, probably but next yeah. month. Wait, what? But, uh, <laughs> you know, we're right on their heels. We're right there. Yeah. But these guys did it first. They've already done it. So we're going to be talking to Peter. I can't wait. Super nice guy. It's going to be fun. But first, we need to start where we start, Mike. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. That is correct, Mike. I'm confident. I was thinking about it. I think you might be able to get three for three, actually. Okay. All right. I was thinking about it. I, you definitely can get two of them. One of them, she's got a massive hit. You may be able to get three. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. First one, born in Memphis, Tennessee on June 1st, 1937. I thought this guy was born in uh, Mississippi. Hmm. Threw me for a curveball. Threw me for a curveball, and it makes me a little upset that no one from Mississippi told me that he's not actually from Mississippi. What are you doing, Biloxi? Tell me. Come on, guys. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, our birthday suit wearer moved uh, uh, from Memphis to Mississippi to live with his grandmother in Greenwood, Mississippi. Uh, then eventually moved to Chicago as a teenager 
in high school. He realized he loved acting at, at a young age of 12. At 12, he won a statewide competition in Mississippi for acting. Hmm. He ended up getting a scholarship to study drama at Jackson State University, but he decided to go to the United States Air Force instead and served from 1955 to 1959. After being in the Air Force, he moved to L.A., where he started acting and dancing. It wasn't until 1971 he started breaking, breaking into television and film. In 1982, he had a small role on the soap Another World. In 1987, he gained prominence for his role in Driving Miss Daisy. He was the limousine hmm. driver okay. or the car driver. He was literally Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, then in 1989, he had a role in Glory, great film about yep. the platoon of soldiers in the Civil War that was the all-black platoon. Fantastic film. True story, too. Amazing. Uh, that was followed by his role as the hard edge principal in Lean on Me. Don't know if you ever saw that. Great movie. Hmm. Oh, man. You need to go back and see that. That is a 1980s classic and just a feel-good movie. He takes the crappy, ran-down uh, high school, a high school that, mind you, still had lockers as crappy as it was. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, and he makes it the standout school in the state, in the city, as as the uh, as the uh, principal. Then after that, he played in Unforgiven in 1994. He played one of his most notable roles in Shawshank Redemption as mm. Red. He played a 1995 thriller Seven with Brad Pitt. He then played in Deep Impact in 1998. He played God in Bruce Almighty in 2003. The films I listed barely scratched the surface. He's been in over 105 films all together. And if I could talk like anyone in the world, it'd probably wow. be him. Name that birthday suit where? Doc G, is it Morgan Freeman? <laughs> Morgan, that was the worst impression ever. But yes, Morgan Freeman is correct. Mike, I'm not even going to try to do an impersonation because it just... It's it's so it's so amazing, right? Yeah. It just yeah. makes you feel like you're you're in a in the womb, you know? Mm -hmm. You're just in a safe place that just yeah. you, you can't like if he if I had anybody to tell me I had bad news, it would be him. Anytime <laughs> there was bad news, it would be Morgan Freeman. Like if my car was broken into, I would need Morgan Freeman to be like, it's been broken into, and I'd be like, hey, you know what? It's not that bad. That's not bad. Is, that doesn't sound too that's bad. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Cool. You know, like you need to call the police. I do need to call the police. Yeah. Thank you, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You know, like it just would be amazing. <laughs> He's turning eighty-five, Mike. Eighty-five. Wow. Crazy. It's never aged. But Mike. He hasn't. He looks amazing. He uh, looks now, the I, same. I will say, if you go back and watch uh, Lean on Me, you will see a little bit of age. Though. Okay. You will be like, that dude's aged a little bit. Still a great movie, though. Mm. You know what? Uh, this isn't a follow-up for you listeners. It's a follow-up for me. I'm watching that tonight. Lean okay. on Me. It's happening. There we go. It's happening. Um, Mike, are, uh, first off, happy birthday to Morgan Freeman. Happy Big birthday. 85. Big land mile. Oh, land, land mile. Landmark. <laughs> Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip them up. What's going on? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, we're headed to Florida. Headed to Florida. Mm. And I've got bad news. Good old Florida. 
Uh-oh. We're not smart. Nope. Yeah. Well, that's not it. Your your <laughs> performance on the quiz was better than most folks in Florida, Mike. Uh. And apparently on the 2022 Florida Standards Assessment exams, Florida third graders only averaged a 53% passing rate on the state reading exam. Oh, come on, guys. Come on, Florida. 53%. Not good. In in case you listeners didn't pass the math section of the Florida standard assessments, that's barely over half. That's a fact. Ah. Barely over half. That is not good that a coin flip is going to decide whether or not they can't pass reading, Mike. But I will say, even though it looked down for the whole state, there was one glimmer of hope, one shining example of improvement, Mike. Okay. So we have improvement. Yes. Now, out of the 10 counties that the newspaper that I read, I was pretty lazy. I only read one newspaper from Tampa. I could have went and found all of the the counties, but you know what? (laughs) No, it's just too much research. I did not have time, <laughs> listeners. If you want to go do it, you can. I did not have time. But with the 10 that were listed in this Tampa newspaper, one raised their scores. And that one shining example, Polk County. Yes, represents. That's right, Mike. That is right. They went from 47 to 48%. Sweet. Huge. Yes. Huge. Let's celebrate <laughs> the small things, Mike. Next stop for Polk County, over 50%. Oh, yeah. I see and it. And not ordering filet of fish sandwiches. Whoa, whoa, Gross, whoa, Mike. I don't know about all that. <laughs> Stop it. We don't need the tartar sauce. We do not need the fish. We don't need any uh, of it. Delicious. Just causes problems. <laughs> Mike, now that we have focused on the positives of Polk County, the mm-hmm. the the future. Yeah, we need to focus on the present. There's some downsides of the present. Mm. Ah. Mike, there was a robbery at the Auburndale Walmart in Polk County. Ah, oh, not yes. good. Not Easy good. Targets. Uh, anyways, three <laughs> men are wanted for robbery. Three wow. men. It was a group job. They went into mm. it together. They were stealing jewelry. Apparently, what? they broke in to the jewelry counter. Not just the hangy jewelry. They went for the fancy stuff, like <laughs> the high-dollar stuff in Walmart. They stole $19,000 worth of jewelry from Walmart what? and put it in a trash can and walked out. I'm guessing they did the old... You know, self-scanner, oh, hey, we've got, you know, stuff in, uh, this is just a trash can, and then they had $19,000 worth of jewelry in there. Mm. Wow. That's a lot of uh, silver-plated Timexes. (laughs) Is the trash can full, Mike? I mean, I'm surprised, like, on, one dude was carrying this. I'm surprised not all three were like, oh, Jesus Christ, so heavy. This is not efficient. So much jewelry. Oh, man, Mike. I looked at a map. This Walmart is literally within 2,000 feet of three jewelry stores. Mm. Don't you think you'd hit one of those? I don't know. Those guys care about their jobs. (laughs) I mean... I know they're they're going for low-hanging fruit at the Walmart, but, like, wouldn't... 
you be like, I, uh, I mean, like if a, if if I was in this group and they were like, guys, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go into a Walmart and we're gonna steal all of their jewelry. I'd be like, I, I don't think it's gonna work, guys. Mm-mm. I don't think like. Because, I mean, when you get down to it, who's reselling those necklaces? Like you said, Mike, that is not real silver. That is not (laughs) real gold. You are not melting that down for the precious metals. No way. You are going to have to resell that crap, Mm -hmm. and I am not reselling that crap on Etsy or eBay. It's not (laughs) happening. All right? By the time you you resell (laughs) it, you're back at the poverty line, man. You haven't made anything. Mm-mm. I mean, at least at least if you steal from one of those other jewelry stores, it's going to be close to worth the 15 years once you get caught. Like, yeah, very true. Not with the Walmart. <laughs> nope. Not with the Walmart. So true. All right, Mike. Well, we're going to have to move on from Florida to another state. Hmm. Very interesting place, Mike. Texas. Texas. Okay. I would go as far to say it's just as weird as Florida. <laughs> like, it's just, and it might even be weirder than Florida. Like, I think just everybody accepts their weirdness, though. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody makes fun of Florida's weirdness. With Texas, they're just like, yeah, it's Texas. Yeah, that's how like, we are. Yeah, that's weird, you know? So, uh, shout out to all the Texans that listen to the show. Katie, Texas, Richardson, Texas, Beaumont, Frisco. We, you know, you guys are weird. Um, And I think you know it. (laughs) And I think this next story will prove that, Mike. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily for our listeners from Texas, but for Texas in general and its weirdness. Uh, This past week on Twitter... Some weirdness of Texas was making its rounds. Uh, A Twitter user pointed out the absurdity of Texas gun laws, but they pointed it out by the fact that there is a law that doesn't limit guns. It limits a person to owning less than six in the state, (laughs) Texas. That's a real rule, Mike. Yeah. That's a real rule. Under section 43.23 of the Texas Penal Code, owning <laughs> more than six obscene devices, including <laughs> or artificial vaginas, designed or marketed primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs, is against the law. Wow, even vaginas? Yes. That is wild. Artificial ones. Artificial. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> not, not real ones. Although on. I think you got some other problems on your hand. You <laughs> six real... <laughs> Anyways. Yes, it's against the law. Six. Unbelievable. This is fascinating, Mike. This blew me away. First, how is that a law? Like, how is that a thing? Who or what are you protecting with that law? I have no idea. <clears throat> it's not like know. if it's not like if Jeff gets 15 <laughs> his neighbor's house is going to explode like <laughs> who cares who cares if he is an antique collector let him collect them like what's going to like I mean I, it's probably not a healthy hobby for Jeff but still let yeah. him do it yeah. let him do it like 
then I started to think, I was like, has anybody ever been found guilty of this law? <laughs> like, cops gone in for like a, a wellness check on a house. Oh my God, it's filled with in here, Bob. We gotta arrest <laughs> these people quick. Like, just. There's like six counts. There's six yeah. counts of breaking the law here. How many people live in this? I've been doing the math. That doesn't add up. You got too many. <laughs> that is too many. Like, and then is there just a cop in Texas that's just roaming around? That's all they're roaming around for. Orders mm. everywhere. Like, yeah. Let's go. Like that is such a weird <laughs> rule. It is such. Uh, and Mike, I thought about it. Uh, and when I was looking at this rule, there are a lot more weird rules from Texas. Mm. I think I'm going to make a segment. One weird rule from Texas, uh, a show. Yeah, we should have that. Just to let people know that, that Florida's not the only weird state around. Oh, Texas, there's more weird states. It, Texas is bigger and weirder. Yeah, so, it, it, you know, just yeah. saying. They don't have as good of beaches. Don't even try to come at us with Galveston. No way. That's not going to no happen. No way. But you do have more land. And you got mm -hmm. more weirdos. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Mike, moving on from Texas, we're going to move on to Boston. Oh. And we've got some big news out of Boston. Yeah. It's official. All people who were convicted of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials of the late 1600s and early 1700s have been cleared of their convictions. Sweet. That's nice. Zero Finally. witches. Finally, 300 yes. years later. <laughs> the last person was uh, the woman Elizabeth Johnson Jr., who was convicted of witchcraft in 1693. She was condemned to death, but was never executed. Hmm, so they okay. were like, hey, we got to kill you. And then they're like, eh, I never got around to it. I guess yeah. she's all right. Yeah. But apparently some 8th graders from North Andover Middle Schooler pushed Massachusetts state legislation to clear her name. And last Thursday, the Senate signed off on a measure that exonerated her. Yes. Finally. Senator uh, Deanna, uh, or Diana, Deanna, Diana, Dizoglio? <laughs> uh, hmm. Dizoglio? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> D-I-Z-O-G-L-I-O. -I, -I, I can't read. I'm from Polk County. I got a 48% again this room. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Ah, sorry, Mike. Sorry. I didn't mean to throw that on you. Um, Dizoglio. Yeah, it's Dizoglio. See, there you go. Polk County can't do it. You guys are on the rise. <laughs> Baleo fish sandwiches. Anyways, uh, she said, the senator said, uh, quote, it was unacceptable then and remains unacceptable now mm -hmm. that she and other women have been considered unworthy of the dignity and respect that they deserve. Mm -hmm. Which I'll agree, Mike. I yeah. will agree with the senator's uh, point wholeheartedly. But I will say I couldn't help but notice something else earlier in the article. So let me read just this, this phrase about Elizabeth real quick. It says, Elizabeth Johnson Jr. was convicted of witchcraft in 1693 in the now infamous witch hunt in which 19 people were hanged and one man was crushed to death by rocks. Oh, my gosh. That sounds horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then it says she uh. was condemned to death but never executed. So I got to say to the senator, what about the dude that was crushed to death by rocks? Yeah, he needs justice. I mean, oh, he, he got exonerated, but he's dead. I mean, yeah. you know. He I needs mean, more justice. That's horrible. I mean, I got to say, Elizabeth Johnson Jr. was probably pretty jazzed she wasn't that dude. I would be. I looked it up. Giles Corey. Oh. Giles Corey was the dude. All right. The dude that got crushed by rocks. He actually got accused of being a wizard. A it's wizard. Not a joke. A wizard, Harry. A uh, wizard. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And so really apparently, sad. you know, he basically, uh, he got, his wife got him into it, you know, because they were going for all the ladies. And mm -hmm. uh, he, they were like, ah, he's been talking to his wife too much. His wife's a witch. He's a wizard. It's obvious. <laughs> wizard and witch. You know, and then they, they, they put him out there and it's sort of one of those things, you know, you probably heard about how they try to get people to like, uh, con uh, uh, confess their, uh, them being a witch by either yeah. like, uh, setting them on fire or like, you know, putting them in ice cold water and being like, are you a witch? And of course people are like, holy crap, this sucks. Yeah, I'm a witch. Get me out of this, <laughs> you know, but Giles uh, they were going to convince him by pressing, as they called it. Just put giant rocks on the back oh, of it. Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, especially for a Gosh. guy that loves his breath like yourself. That's not good. Yeah. That's I could have done the cold water. I could have easily did the cold water, though, Doc G. Uh, they, put, they put some <laughs> rocks on him, and they were like, are you a wizard? And that dude was like, nah. Put, put some more rocks on me. I don't feel it. Put some more rocks on me. That was oh. apparently his last words was put some more rocks on me. For real. Ugh. That was it. Not Giles good. Corey, a hard dude. A hard dude, man. Uh, he was absolved of his wizardry in 1712. They were like, you know what? Our bad. He wasn't a wizard. Mm. He probably shouldn't have killed that dude. Um, but you do have to remember that was 20 years after he was smashed to death with rocks. Yeah. Not good. Call me crazy, Mike, but you can call me a wizard as long as you want. <clears throat> Just don't smash me with the death with rocks. I <clears throat> would much rather... You can call me wizard every single day. You can call me... In fact, you can change the show to Wizard G. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Wizard G show. That is gotcha. completely fine with me. I would just rather not be smashed to death with rocks. That is... That's a fact. No. Pass. <laughs> pass, Mike. That's a definite hard pass. Now, Mike, mm -mm. Uh, we need to celebrate a world record. We mm. need to celebrate a world record. And, uh, you know, normally they're pretty goofy world records that, uh, that we have on the show. This one is not goofy. This is not goofy. And you know what? I'm going to tease it. I'm going to tease it. We're going to take a break. We're going to hear from Goose right now. And then we're going to come back, and after break, we're going to hear about this world record. Right here on the Doc G Show.
Yeah. 
back here on the Doc G a show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't done so, subscribe to the show. You need to do it. It's easy. Even like even if you don't listen to the show regularly, just do it to make me feel better, man. Yeah. It's, it's not great. that hard. It's like a like on Instagram. I don't get why people are so choosy with their likes. Me neither. Like, I Come don't on. understand that. Like, you just like it, man. Just put it out there. Just subscribe, yeah. man. You don't have to listen to the show. Nope. I know no. I'm pandering right now, guys, but please, please, for the love <laughs> of the show, do it. Okay, I'm done. I'm done, guys. I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm moving on. We need to thank the people that have already done that, Mike. Of course, the regulars. Here yes, they sir. are. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, and Tom's River. New Jersey. Shout out. There we go. Regulars. Regulars, Mike. We thank them so much. We do. So much. Thank you. Semi-regulars. We got some interesting ones this time. Here we go. Semi-regulars. Olive Branch, Mississippi. Hmm. Okay. Fancy. Not the birthplace <laughs> of Morgan Freeman. Nope. He lived near there. But not the... Actually, I don't know where Olive Branch is relative to, <laughs> to Greenwood. I have no idea. <laughs> Olive Branch, let me know. Anyways, shout out to Olive Branch, Mississippi, Aurora, Colorado, Gulfport, Mississippi, Wilton, Maine, Leverkusen, Germany, Dearborn Heights, Michigan, Independence, Missouri, Miami, Florida, Vernon Hills, Illinois, Bentonville, Arkansas, Melbourne, Australia, Houston, Texas, Charleston, South Carolina, Ashburn, North or Asheville, North Carolina, Stevensville, Montana, and Berlin, Germany. There we nice. go. Nice. Shout out. Good list. A lot of places. Yeah, it is. A lot of places, you know? Uh, Gulfport, we get those pretty regularly. Shout out to Gulfport. They, they're out. pretty. Uh, Leverkusen. I don't know about Leverkusen. I'm probably saying that completely wrong, too, but you know. <laughs> Leverkusen. That sounds German, right? That's why I said it that way. It sounds German, yeah. yeah. Dearborn, uh, Dearborn Heights. Guessing that's somewhere around a Ford factory of some sort, <laughs> would be my guess. Anyways, Mike, we got to pull out something here called Previously on the Doc G Show. Mm, love it. Previously on the Doc G Show. Okay, we got two things here. Uh, and I, uh, probably the fastest, as you recall, fastest follow up point we'd ever had on the Doc G Show. Uh, I brought up tallest mountain in uh florida which is not really a mountain it's just a height point. hill <laughs> yeah. yeah uh brighton point brighton point 345 feet wow yeah it's right on the border of alabama like it's very close <laughs> to alabama on the panhandle over there crazy panhandle folks just riding their hills mike mm -hmm. it's pretty you can you can see a pretty good ways on that hill. It's a pretty good okay. little crest, you know? Mm, not bad. Not bad. Hmm. I mean, you know, All right. 
I bet a lot of our listeners would get pretty tired if they had to run up that hill. I'm just saying. Same. Pretty pretty <laughs> big hill. It's not, nothing to sneeze at. Shut up over there, Colorado. Stop laughing with your massive mountains. We don't care, all right? Word. Guess what? It doesn't snow here in June. Suck it. Huh? Anyways. All right. Uh, Mike, the other follow-up that we have, uh, you were remembering some kind of weird law. I couldn't find a law about, like, murdering somebody, but I did go back and find... The, the cutting down a Cigarro cactus is cr- a crime punishable by 25 years in prison. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So I don't. I feel like that was because it was it was Claude that was on the show with me at that time on that show. It was mm-hmm. the show bef- like you did a show, then Claude did a show, and I think you were panning for gold with your dad, and then yeah. you came back after that one with Claude. So. I might have mentioned it. I don't know. I'm going to have to do some more digging. Do some more Mm. digging, Mike. But we'll see. We'll see if we can find it. Anyway, (laughs) Mike, let's go back to that story that I told you we needed. We had a world record. That's right, folks. Another world record. And uh, this world record here is from San Diego. We have a San Diegan Mm. here, Gregory Foster. And like I said, a lot of these goofy. This one, hats off. There's no way in do this. Nope. The uh, Gregory Foster set the record for fastest time for eating three Carolina Reaper chili peppers. Wow. The yeah. world's okay. fa- the world's hottest chili pepper. He yeah. ate three of them in 8.72 seconds. Jeez. Mm. Three of them. And he actually ended up doing it twice, Mike. Twice. Because the first tip was disqualified. So he ate six Carolina Reaper peppers in an ungodly amount of time. Mm. Just insane, Mike. Insane. Like, keep in mind, each (laughs) one of those listeners is a thousand times hotter than a jalapeno. That's a lot of times. Thousand times hotter than a jalapeno. <laughs> I got to take a couple of sips during a jalapeno. That's pretty hot. That's pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially if you get the seeds. Oh yeah. yeah. It's tough. Oh yeah, man. I gotta ask, and I know the listeners are thinking this too. How do you survive the next morning? Like the exit of know. those chili peppers. Oh, that cannot be pleasant. That, I mean, I am obviously, as a man, I don't know what childbirth feels like. But I would imagine that whatever that dude goes through in the bathroom after that record is about as close as a pain factor as a dude can get. Like that. Yeah, probably. Yikes. <laughs> oh, it makes me, uh, makes me hurt right now, Mike. That is no good. <laughs> you just have to have that uh, that confirmation Guinness email right when you're no! going through it you just it stare at that the entire it. time it was worth <laughs> it oh no no i don't know mike before we go to break before we go to our guest uh we gotta we're gonna end on a on a happy note here uh Sweet. we got we a man from sydney australia recently won a hundred thousand dollars in the lottery Won $100,000, and here's the cool thing about it. He got the ticket from a friend for his birthday. 
And the even cooler mm. thing about it, when his friend gave him the ticket, the man said, hey, if, if I win big on this, I'm sharing this halfway down the middle with you. We're going halvesies on this. Oh, okay. He won the top prize, $100,000. He's going to split it down the middle with his friend. 50000 for him, 50000 for his friend. Yes! Yeah. Wow, good for them. Yeah. It's a small lottery, though. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, I mean, it's not American, right? We, we, yeah. We do, you need like a billion dollars. We do, yeah. And we're like, what? <laughs> Ten million? I don't know. It's not really worth me getting up off the couch for. <laughs> but, it, you know, I mean, uh, you think for a split second he thought about going back on it? Like, oh! I, I'm Not in writing. I meant everything besides the $100,000 prize. Like, if it was... The fifty thousand and above. You didn't hear me say that. That's I said. I mean, it was implied. I implied that when I said it. Like, just. But he didn't care. He was like, "We're doing it." That's some true friendship yeah. right there, Mike. Yeah. True friendship. Was... Going halvesies on it. I love it. It's what Australians are all about: scary animals and true friendship. <laughs> Boom. Mm-hmm. On that note, yeah. Mike, we're going to a break. We are going to be back with a fantastic Peter on Spock from Goose right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM. Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are very happy to have an extremely talented guitarist, keyboardist, songwriter, and member of Goose, whose album Drip Filled is coming out 624, June 24th. Mr. Peter Onspock. Peter, how you doing? Hey, I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, for sure. Very excited. I, I noticed you guys uh, got to go out to a hockey game just the other night there. Went to a Rangers game, man. That's true. We were at the Rangers game. Um, it was killer. They, uh, <laughs> well, if you're a Rangers fan, it was good because <laughs> they... Yeah, they they won uh, they won big, but um, we had a lot of fun. I actually had never been to a Rangers game before. Um, I had only been to one hockey game, a Nashville Predators game. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to get back into a hockey setting. Um, I always love catching games uh, on TV or whatever when I can. And I'm not like a huge hockey guy, but I'm more of a baseball guy. I love sports and. It was a good time. It was really fun. Do do you guys like hang out a pretty good amount when uh, when you're not like on the road touring? Uh, you know, because I mean, I feel like a lot of bands yeah. are like, let's let's go our separate <laughs> ways and then we'll come back. We do actually. Um, I play. You know, sometimes I play Catan with the other guys. We get together for Catan nice. nights. Um, you know, we host taco nights. We host dinners. Just hanging out. Um, we do all, all kinds of different things. Uh, it, is, it is really fun because we are in the same general area. So it is pretty easy to get together, and we're all really good friends. So 
uh, when you want to hang out with your friends, it's only natural you call up. <laughs> call the band up. Friends with, yeah, yeah. And we go see live music and concerts and it's it's always awesome. Well, I, I got to ask now that you guys, the, the popularity that's came in the last couple of years, do you get recognized on a trip like the Rangers game? Were you, were you having to yeah. say, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, occasionally we do. Um, there was, we did see a few people who recognized us at the Rangers game. I picked up food last night and somebody recognized me. What's that like? Uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not bad. It's not, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty, uh, I guess it's, it's taken some getting used to. Yeah. Um, but I don't really mind it. Um, I love meeting our fans and seeing who's out there. I, there was a time where I felt like I knew every single one of our fans <laughs> and now I don't. So, um, it is kind of cool to meet them and have those interactions and found out, find out how they learned about goose or what shows they're coming to. So yeah. it's all good. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you guys have hit 2022 uh, pretty hard. You've you've already yeah. had 29 shows, uh, played your first arena show. How's, how's the first five months been so far? It's been a whirlwind. Um, we started off very, very hot. We came out with, um, we were, we were doing, we did music videos and, the LA area. Mm -hmm. um, and then we went right into a long tour um, with our Goosemas rescheduled concert at, that was at Mohegan Sun, yeah. which was unbelievable. Um, if anyone doesn't know, Mohegan is an, an arena uh, up in here, up here in Connecticut. It's also a casino, but <laughs> it was a, it was a funny experience. We had never played an arena before and uh, we were all pretty nervous beforehand. It was, wild um and it was just a great great time though because a lot of our core fans come out to goosemas that's kind of like uh our very special show of the year and we do we always do some special things and the special thing about this year was that it was in an arena <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was pretty wild and i i got to play a, um, a grand piano for the first time on stage which was so special and um yeah what an experience that was. Did, it, was it felt like nothing else did you did you feel like like billy joel elton john up there on the grand piano? <laughs> i don't know if i would go that far but you know it definitely it was it was pretty cool like uh it sounded really great i yeah. i really got a lot of respect for oh yeah like a real piano <laughs> does sound better than digital it just sounds more realistic, I would say. The digital pianos tend to sound, they're just pristine. Mm. You know, they just sound, it's perfect. perfect. It, yeah. it does work in a lot of, it does work in a lot of situations. Um, you know, going on tour with the piano requires a lot of logistics. You need a tuner to come to every show, tune multiple times. And it is just heavy <laughs> <laughs> and large. Yeah. Um, so my digital piano is serving me very well right now, and maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to bring a real piano out, but maybe, not yet. When it's all when it's all when it's all arenas, when it's all arenas. Um, yeah, yeah, theoretically, I I hope so. I mean, it, it was cool to do it for a special event, and there will be a few more of those special type events where we can make it happen. So um, I'm excited to keep learning and growing in that way. 
through experimentation of different pianos and stuff like that along the way. And hopefully one day have one I can bring on the road. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. I mean, you've only you've only been in the band for about four years now. Um, and I know when you yeah. came into this band, you had to have the feeling like this is a good band. I'm coming into a really talented group here. But I mean, in that's, that, that's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and you you've gone from playing like essentially tiny, you know, sort of no name venues to selling out Red Rocks and Radio City Music Hall uh, in that right. in that time frame. And I, I've heard a lot of people ask you, and I, I've seen it in other interviews as far as like. Like that's so awesome. Like and it obviously that is awesome. But like I feel like there's gotta be some nerves with that too, right? Like has it been nerve wracking for the band to go from like these small shows where, like you said, you've known almost every single fan to all of a sudden six thousand, seven thousand people? It's extremely nerve wracking. There is um especially every time we I would say you know, play a bigger room that we're not used to. Mm -hmm. So along the way, there was, I remember our first theater type, type show we played was at Madison Theater in Covington, Covington Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And that was on a tour of like all small bars and small clubs. Um, and we had just, we, we moved that show up from the smaller venue because uh, it had sold out. So moved it up to a theater theater next door it was it was a good opportunity to move it up so we did and i just remember walking out there and i was that one i was super nervous at you know and then again in mohegan so every every time i feel like there is a, a step up in the venue size i definitely feel some nerves but i have i mean we have settled in to the theater type environment and uh it feels it feels good you know i it, it's it's pretty unbelievable to be yeah. honest <laughs> for sure pretty unbelievable that that could feel comfortable you know that i was just um it was an interesting uh thing we we just played uh or i just played uh, at dome fest with my other band great blue mm -hmm. and i sat in with pigeons playing ping pong mm -hmm. um who was a band that took us on the road for six weeks back in uh the beginning of 2020 right before the pandemic and uh, I remember sitting in with them during that run. And every time I was so nervous, I was like, I have, I, I just, you know, you're really put up there with like the band that you're opening for, like the big guys, like they're yeah. taking you on the road. You want to, you want to prove your worth. And I was so nervous. And I, I just, just the other week, just last weekend, I sat in with them at Dome Fest and I felt, ironically, I felt so comfortable. Um, <laughs> So I was like, wow, you know, like that just, it showed me how much I've grown um, as a musician um, throughout the last couple of years. Yeah. And it was pretty, it was, it was a cool feeling to feel comfortable on stage with them and um, in front of the, you know, the Dome Fest crowd. So yeah, I was. It's it's been unbelievable. I just don't have any other words besides that. Really. Do do you ever? I mean, with with bands like that, do you ever feel any like any jealousy from any bands like that? As far as like seeing how how successful you've been, do you ever feel like you're getting somebody like, hey, why why isn't it us? Why aren't we the ones that are are doing what they're doing? 
No, I, I think the support has been overwhelming. Um, they, I mean, everyone I talk to is so happy for us and I'm happy for them. Like I, I do think, I think in our scene, we're just, it's such a great community. Yeah. Uh, and you just want to be supporting everybody else around you because everyone else is working just as hard as you, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's like a really, I don't know. It's a good family atmosphere. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean that, that family, you know, your, your band, like I said, you've only, it's been a short time that you've been in the band, but you've known Rick and Trevor since high school. Um, you guys went to the same high school. Uh, and I, I know yeah. your mom was a music teacher. Uh, so I'm guessing you can't really remember a time that you weren't playing music. Yeah, honestly, I, I at least can't remember a time where music wasn't a central part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely was a big, I was big into baseball when I was younger. And that was like my main thing. I, I didn't honestly play a lot of, I didn't really love playing music when I was eight, nine years old. I, I was taking, I was in cello and I liked it. It was fun, but it wasn't my main focus. I still wanted to be like shortstop for the New York Yankees, you know? Um, that was kind of like my childhood dream. And it's so it slowly switched over as I started to hear some bands that really were inspiring to me. Um, when I was in middle school, I, I fell in love with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. And for some reason, it really clicked with me and Led Zeppelin. And I was just kind of blown away. And that's when I wanted to make the switch to guitar. And that I was I started to become way more interested in. And then over the years, I would say it wasn't even until college. Um, that's kind of when I made that decision that like once baseball kind of fizzled out, I was I was I made that decision that I wanted to be a musician when I was in college, really. Well, I, I noticed I saw an Instagram post that maybe your uh, your nephews there following in the uncle uh, uncle's footsteps. They, they're really digging baseball. Uh, they love baseball. Oh, it is so fun for me to play catch with them and hit grounders, all that stuff. It is just great because I just I have so many great memories of playing myself and um, it is just awesome to get back into it and have them see like they have the same joy. Like I take I took my nephew to a Red Sox game nice. a couple of weeks ago and he just had the best time. So I just love seeing it through their eyes and um, who knows what like where life will lead them, you know? Um, but right now they love baseball. <laughs> I was about to say, if they get caught uh, between music and baseball, are you, are you telling them, are you staying out of it? Are you staying impartial? I, I have to stay impartial because I believe, you know, they will find their path. Like the, all you can do is encourage them to explore their interests and their passions, which my parents definitely did for me. They never really forced me into one way or another. I mean, granted, my mom did say I have to play music and I have to play sports. She was like, you have to do all of them. But she was never really like, this is what you have to do for the rest of your life. She yeah. just at least wanted to try everything. Um, and I think that's important. I think it's important to encourage your children to try a whole lot of different things and see what they enjoy and really give it a fair shot. Um, but then later, you know, I made the, my own my own choice to go for music and, yeah. uh, you know, it was everything else that had happened up to that point was a good foundation for going for that. Well, now you, you mentioned the, the, the great, you know, almighty Zepp 
the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like those bands, were you, I, I mean, you made that switch before you let go of baseball, right? As far as like, as far as yeah. just starting to play guitar and whatnot. Now, yes, I had. Yeah. Now I heard. I heard like you were introduced to some of sort of the jam band improvisers. You know the the improvisation somewhere like at the end of high school, and that just sort of blew your mind that you know you could do this yeah. thing that you could keep going, you could keep playing, and and people would want to come see that. Do you remember who who that was that you first heard that you were like, oh? Oh, this, this is a thing. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. Um, I had a friend in high school, uh, Ryan Duffy, and he's since passed away, which is so sad. Um, but he was a, a big musical influence for me. Um, and my other buddy, Seth, who plays bass in Great Blue, we were three best friends in high school. And uh, our common connection was the Grateful Dead and Fish and chasing down recordings from the 90s and videos from the 90s and this for the dead like the 70s you know and uh i guess when i was in high school it was a little harder to do that than it is nowadays <laughs> yeah uh, you know streaming services weren't really out yet and you couldn't really buy too much of their stuff so i was on i was on like these weird websites where you would download like a full show and with my internet connection, I would leave my laptop plugged in like all night at least. <laughs> the old modem <laughs> connection. Oh, where yeah, is it somehow at? like download a, download a show. And uh, my brother-in-law actually collected fish tapes from uh, 92, 95. So he had a large collection of fish tapes that he literally just gave to me in high school once I started getting into fish. He had like held on to them and uh, that was also huge for me. I, I listened to, I just would put on a cassette. I didn't know what show it was, but I would just listen to it. Um, and I just remember meeting up with my friends, Ryan and Seth. And every time everyone, anyone would find like a really cool jam or something that we all like thought everybody should hear, we'd be like, yo, listen to this. Or like we would find a new song, mm -hmm. you know, we'd find a new fish song that maybe wasn't on one of the albums, you know, we'd be like, wow, like this is the coolest song. Like, you know, it was those kinds of things mm -hmm. um, that really was inspiring. And like, it really, I don't know, it was, it was super easy to go down the rabbit hole, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. 100%. Well, you, you might have done that for some kids earlier this year on, on your previous tour there. You had some kids from the, the School of Rock come in at, right. at, at Knoxville there before your show it, it looked like they were super just like fast like every picture they were just like zoomed in on whatever you were you know showing them whether it was the rig breakdown or whatever I mean how how inspired were those kids did they seem like just I mean ready to take over your spot <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think we they were all kind of high school age and had been playing shows with School of Rock for a few years. Um, and a couple of them were really good players. They mm -hmm. came up and played on our instruments for a little bit. I was pretty impressed. Uh, they were a lot better than I was when I was in high school. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was really inspiring to see. And I hope hope they got a lot out of it. You know, yeah. I, I you never really know. But um, it seemed like they were enjoying themselves and love seeing the gear and all that stuff. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. now, 
Now, uh, after after high school, you you went to Belmont for a year, uh, and yeah. now were you already in music management when you went to Belmont? Was that your major there? My, yeah, my major there was music business, which I carried over to NYU. Yeah, um, I transferred after my freshman year. Now, did you was was that really like a secret cover for actually music? Like, I mean, in the back of your head. Did you know you were lying to yourself and you were like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to play like this is. No, um, it was actually, I, there was, there was a few pivotal moments for me. Um, I think the first one was I came back for Thanksgiving break after my first semester at Belmont. And yeah, I thought I was going to go into the music business. I, I thought there was no way I could make it as a musician. I thought that was crazy. Um, it seems so difficult. I was like, well, you know, I want to be at least around music and I'll get a job in the music industry. So I came back for Thanksgiving break and I played with my, my, my friends, Nick and Seth, and we played Teakwood Bats by Perpetual Groove and Harry Hood by Fish. Nice. And for some reason, we had all like, we, we just found out how to jam through those like three months we had off. <laughs> Nice. from like not seeing each other somehow we figured out how to jam <laughs> and that night in the basement and i was like oh this is sweet let's do this let's do this so we formed great blue um like over the next few months and had a show at our spring break that we all like somehow have aligned mm -hmm. together it was all the same spring break um which is pretty random and rare i would say because we all went to different colleges so um yeah, we were all at home together at the same time. We played two shows. And then after that, um, I started thinking about like how to build Great Blue, the band, using everything I was learning at school. Um, I transferred to NYU. It was a better program. And I had originally tried to get in out of high school, but wasn't able to. Um, they just didn't accept me. So I transferred. So I was finally able to go there. Um, and it also happened to be a lot closer to where the other guys were, were at. And then we were able to really take the band more seriously. We played shows every weekend, uh, house parties, whatever. Um, and then we kept going at it. You know, there was another point, I think, you know, as you get easily discouraged doing the band thing. So there was another point later, I think in college when I worked for Dobopod for a summer, mm -hmm. I was their monitor engineer. And that was another point for me where it was my first experience really working with a band, but not playing in the band. And that was a huge experience for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't really work for a band. It's like, I need to be playing for the band in order to really love working for, for the band. So after that, I was like, I think I even doubled down on how serious I was taking Great Blue. So we came, I came out of college and I was like, like a rocket. I was like, let's go. Um, let's give this a real shot. We like did some tours. We got a van. Like it was, it was full on for, um, I think probably the last half of 2015, 2016 and 2017, mm. right into when I joined goose at the end of 2017, man, man. Well, shout out, shout out to perpetual groove for inspiring Peter on Spock there. We had, we had perpetual Zen. groove on just uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, those guys no are way. awesome. Yeah, those guys are awesome. Uh, yeah, they're they're yeah. There's their album "Sweet Oblivious Antidote" really had a major impact on me. Fantastic! It is it is an awesome album for sure, for sure. Yeah. What, 
Well, now, uh, you mentioned it a little bit, like, uh, you know, the music business side of it, those years at NYU, I mean, would you say you still use, I mean, because you're obviously, you're very hands-on with the band, you do a lot for the band as far as Goose is concerned, do you use a good amount of what you uh, learned in in school? Yeah, I I would say so. I mean, it definitely gave me a good foundation. Uh, there's a lot that it does not prepare you for, which is totally experience based. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned way more after school just by being thrown in the fire than I learned at school. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with learning something in application for what you want to really be doing is a lot easier than learning something in theory before you go do it. So, um, not that the I'm sure like the professors were talking about all these things that I'm learning now in a better understanding, but for some reason, once you start doing it, you actually remember it a little better. Oh yeah. It starts to really, again, you know, but definitely it was, it was very, it was an important experience. And, and, and it also like, at least that NYU program, besides prepping you for like with touring classes and publishing and all these other like music industry specific courses, they bring you through an entire like music music education course load as well. So I was taking ear training and music theory and those classes were extremely important to what I'm doing now. I, oh yeah. Uh, and I took music, I took guitar lessons when I was there, like shout out to my guitar instructor, Rafael Rosa. Nice. He's the man, um, incredible Brazilian jazz guitarist gigs in new york city all the time wow uh, so he was a big influence on me and yeah and i and ironically also take business courses so i was in like you know accounting and stuff like that <laughs> all of which has been important for life i would say <laughs> you know as i have to handle my finances <laughs> do my taxes whatever all that stuff has been valuable it was I had a really good college experience I, overall. I always, yeah, I always tell people as far as classes, you know, it was one of those irritating things to me that people will say, oh, you know, uh, what am I going to use that? That class was worthless. I'm like, yeah, every class is worthless if you don't want to use it. Like, you can find yeah. a way to use every single one if you actually want to apply it. And like you said, you may not use it in the, the band sense, but still use it in life. It depends how you look at it on 100% because... I took calculus and believe me, I don't do calculus, but I learned when you're taking calculus, you you learn how to apply your brain to like figure out a system. Mm -hmm. And whether you understand that or not, like understand the system later in life, it it doesn't matter. You are, you've been training your brain to be able to learn how to work a mathematical system or learn something new. It's just training. Mm-hmm. It's just training for your brain to be able to learn and adapt later in life. For sure. Um, so it is all what you take out of it. I don't think I understood that till now, to be honest. So. Uh, a lot, a lot of college students don't. You know, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough yeah. when you're 18, when you're 20, when you're 21 to say, "Oh yeah, I'll be taking this forever. This is this is important stuff right here." Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now, uh, you mentioned it, uh, you get the call from Rick to be in Goose, uh, and is there any, when you got that call to be in Goose, was there any, 
nervousness because I mean like I feel like he was he was two years older than you in high school. He was like a bit of a bit of the cool guy, you know? Like is there any nervous like, like oh no, I'm playing with the cool guy. Yeah, I would say so. Um yeah, Rick and Trevor who I knew in passing in high school. We weren't friends. I knew that they were good at music. Um and they were cool. Yeah, that's that was all my that was all I knew about them. And uh yeah, it was I had gotten to know them a little bit through Great Blue playing with Goose after high school after college really. When Goose started in 2014, Great Blue was already happening. So naturally we played a few shows together through those years and got to know them a little bit better and more in the same wavelength but there was still like a little nervousness of i thought they were much better musicians than than i was so that and especially i didn't really have much of a knowledge about keyboards so that was fresh for me and coming into that environment with the previous keyboard player being an absolute wizard probably one of the best i've ever heard in my entire life i was definitely intimidated and it was nerve-wracking joining that band and uh it took a while to get comfortable yeah well now i i've read a bunch of articles about the band that say like you know you were the missing link of goose like you made the band whole you know not obviously trying to toot your own horn but what from your perspective what do you think you added that was missing what do you think i mean obviously besides you played the keyboards which was what they asked you to do but like what do you think you added i i honestly i don't know i i i think there was there's a certain chemistry that we all have together mm-hmm. that is uh very special i mean whether and i mean i i don't i don't know what would have happened if i didn't join the band so i don't think it's i don't i don't know if this is like a missing link type situation but it definitely feels like we have grown as a as a band together and that i would attribute that to what has happened with us you know like we 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 work really hard together we we found like a we all have like a very like like-minded objective and we are very musically musically compatible as a as a group which is so rare and it's it's very rare to become fast friends with those people that you're musically compatible with, it, it was, it's pretty unbelievable um, to, for me and it, as an experience of working in, in a band and, and trying to do the band thing for so many years. And then to step into that environment, it felt like I was finding, I, I had found my musical brothers, you know? So that was, it, it's deeply special and, and uh, to me, when, the whole thing. Whenever I hear somebody describe it like you described it as far as like the the, the four, you know, the, the the band coming together and making a unique sound, I always think back to uh, one of your first favorites there, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I think, yeah. I think of those four guys and how, you know, the, these last like eight years with Josh, nothing against Josh as a guitarist, but like they just didn't sound like they sound with with John Vershani on guitar. And when he came back for this most recent album, all of a sudden I said, oh, my God, it's the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. There they are. That's them. You know, uh, I, I can see those guys like on their own, like like who knows, like uh, like a, a singer like Anthony Kiedis is like 
it, it works because of the rest of the musicians as well. Like, I think, you know, they all, they all found each other and they all needed each other in, to, in order to do what they did. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just like a really, I don't know. It's so it's it's very unique and special when that kind of thing happens. I I'm I'm just like I cherish it so much. Nice, nice. Well, now I've actually seen also Rick mentioned this when he when he called you up to join Goose. He he thought he had seen you play with Great Blue, and seen how much fun you guys seemed to be having. See saw the the joy of playing, and he wanted to bring uh, that to Goose. Do you, I mean, do you think, did right. you feel it? Did you feel bringing that joy when you, uh, you know, started playing with Goose? It's interesting. There was, there was definitely a, you know, old friend camaraderie about my, my band, Great Blue. Mm -hmm. So when we had played with Goose, um, you know, the members of Goose hadn't known each other as long as I had known the members of Great Blue. And you know, that kind of thing doesn't, doesn't happen immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, like even when I joined goose, it took a while to get comfortable and like become like really good friends with the guys. And there was a lot of growing that we did in that first year, mm -hmm. 2018 was, like, it was a big growing year for us. We were trying to figure out what kind of band we were and like how to jam and all these different things. And there was that spark, that instant connection. I thought when I had like auditioned for the band, um, but it did take a while for us really to grow together into like a tight unit. And it was, uh, I, I think like now we have, it feels like that. It feels like very much like friends who are able to just go play in the basement and have fun. Yeah. So it took some time to get there, but we are there and I feel great about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it's kind of like a testament to, to Rick and maybe his like, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can accomplish it. You know, if you want to, if you want to be the kind of band that goes out there and has fun and is you're just hanging with your good friends, you can, you can accomplish it. If you really, if you really go for it, you know, and you can, and you can also be a successful band, you know, like you, you could grow as a band, like, and have fun at the same time. And uh, yeah, I think, You've done yeah, that. You've definitely yeah, done I that. Think, yeah, we're having fun, and uh, that's to me. That's really what matters the most. So. Nice, nice. Yeah. But, now, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen in other interviews as well. Rick, back in the day, uh, almost be hesitant to the the title jam band. When you first got into the band, I saw most of the time it being called a uh, a funk folk band. Um, yeah. Now, were would you say you were part of the reason that now jam band is more used with the group, or is it just as it's gone on, it's involved more towards that? I think it's a natural evolution of the band. Um, when I joined, we really didn't go on, you know, 15, 20 minute song journeys. Um, there wasn't a lot of that at all. Uh, and now we do that. So, it's just been an evolution of learning how to improvise with each other, uh, feeling comfortable in those spaces. The audiences have really given us a lot of space and room to explore on stage that, you know, we feel that 
we feel their energy when we do do that kind of thing is yeah yeah it, it, it connects very well right now so um it's just been an evolution thing and you know whether people call us a jam man or not um you know that's really it's really out of our control to say who we are yeah. you know at this point it's like you can you can identify us however you see yeah us i'm not going to tell you how to identify this band nice nice well yeah. now now uh, one i would say your seminal performance would be the peach music festival there in 2019 that's the one that like i i hear so many people tell me go watch this you know and that was like the first thing that i watched of goose was that performance uh it's got you know it's Thank got you. yeah it's got 360,000 views on youtube um and I've, I've watched it and i know why i sort of think it's special and i've i've read articles that say why it's special but in your opinion why do you think people are drawn to that performance i think um a lot of it had to do with timing um it was a it was kind of an interesting point in the summer we had been playing a few festivals leading up to that one and there was a little bit of talk you know there was a little bit of hey you know there's this there's this band goose like let's go check out their set we had a good we had a good set like it was good good turnout of people we had a good set time um again timing like the the set time was really good it was like 5 p.m on saturday or something the weather was good um so many factors you know and we had been playing a lot of shows we were tight we were warmed up ready to go and shortly after we put out the video and the recording i think like two days after or something um it was a quick turnaround um for that time for us and for other bands so um a lot of people saw the video started to share it uh people friends who had been at the set started to share it and it just started to get it it started to get passed around um you know uh, some, some things resonate stronger with with people and they feel inclined to, sh to share and whatever the case is um a lot of people folks felt inclined to share the video and uh it had like a big effect on our fall tour and you know that was the first time we really had sold out any venue at all so um thanks to that summer there was a lot of people who wanted to come see us at like these small bars and clubs we were about to be playing and uh it was that was a special tour yeah for sure well now yeah. you're going back to the peach music festival there at the end of june uh this year uh are you thinking of any like anniversary type things for it or is it just an, huh. another show on the on the tour i mean it, it will be very special um there's no doubt about that i think coming back there for the first time since well it'll be three years yeah um first time since 20 um 2019 mm -hmm. and uh yeah um we, we shall see we shall see uh what we can what we can break out on 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 those live performances um were, are, are you are you the mixer a creator of all of the the output as far as the the live music that you guys put out there from from shows like that i used to be pretty much 
handling all of that. Yeah. I say I definitely was in 2018, 2019. And in 2020, when we came back, we were streaming. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of the show now, we've got like a full video um, because we have a director switching angles. Mm. And now my job switching angles and setting up cameras is no more. That is all handled by our video team. So it's a huge relief for me to not have to do that, obviously now before <laughs> playing every show. Yeah. So I'm grateful to them. And and now I just go in and I cut up the video. Like if we're putting out one song or if we're gonna put out a full show, I prep the video file and do all that, upload it to YouTube. But the bulk of work for me is cut down so much it's now why that's why we're able to we can put out a video of a, of a song like the next night you know yeah. the next day whatever um and uh the audio i do i do the mixing i i basically it's uh i have like an audio template so we record every show just the same with the same mics and everything and all you have to do is kind of adjust the volume of each instrument throughout the duration of the show. And we now have somebody doing that as well. There you go. During our live. So that's already done. So there is a bulk of all this work that has been taken off my plate, which is great for me. I was, <laughs> I was about to say, I, I mix our radio shows into podcasts and, you know, I, it's still a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I was thinking... It's very time consuming, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So you got that off of your... Uh, I mean, do you... do you, I'm, I'm guessing you don't miss it any, really, of doing that kind of stuff, because that's just sort of meticulous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is very meticulous. I don't necessarily miss it. I love listening back to the shows mm -hmm. and I love improving mix. That is still something I do. Um, I, you know, I'm very much involved in like shaping the sounds, you know, like improving the template, stuff like that. Um, that I love to do. I'm still very much an audio engineer at heart. Is, is, <laughs> so, is the overall goal to make it sound like basically to make the listener feel like they're getting the live experience? Yeah, absolutely. We mix in a fair amount of like crowd mics mm -hmm. to get that audience vibe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they're very much just as part of a show as we are. So I encourage anyone who's listening now to go check out some live recordings on Bandcamp or Nugs. Yeah, and see uh, see what you think. For sure, for sure. Well, now I yeah. I always think of musical artists. I sort of divide the artist into, you know, three sort of duties like like songwriter, gig player, and then like you said, sort of the the song producer recorder, like, you know, those three big jobs of the musical artist. And I always I I sort of as I'm talking to an artist in interviews, a lot of times I can sort of gauge where they're at on those. Like, you know, which one they love the most and which one they're sort of going through the motions. If you had to list those three rank those three from from favorite to least what's your favorite part of being a musical artist is it songwriting is it gig playing is it is it the production and recording i'd say number one is songwriting um there is nothing quite like the feeling of something clicking in a song that you're just writing by yourself 
you know i think that is so exciting because mm-hmm. you don't know where that song is going to go and every one of those moments is so special and unique to that song mm-hmm. um it's a very unique experience um and i i cherish that one probably the most mm-hmm. and then gig playing is probably second um i love playing live mm-hmm. i I, I am definitely a performer at heart mm-hmm. and I get a lot out of that. Um, and then, yeah, producer or like recording engineer is last because, but you know, it's not least because I still love, I love doing that too. You know, yeah. I love all of those. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I think I had that down for you. I think that was my, that was my guess in my head was, I mean, songwriting is just, it's like you said, it's so close to so many artist's heart uh, of doing that i mean that's the whole reason they get in into it in the first place um 100 one last thing about the gigs i've heard you do and you mentioned this a bunch you like to prank your fans the, the goose goose faithful you like to do things that sort of uh you know i mean no, no, nothing bad fun things that they're all sort of uh eventually they get on board with uh what was your favorite prank that you've played? Oh man. Um <laughs> I honestly think of when you ask me that, I think of not not my favorite prank, but my one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. with our fans. Uh, it's I honestly love it's not so much pranks as it is I love surprises. Um and I think one of my favorite things that I've done recently is um like I'll change my strings before the show and I'll leave like like a note with the with the old strings or something on the rail or like I'll leave a previous night's set list like on the rail so whoever gets into the venue first yeah um gets a little surprise nice I always thought that was really I like I love doing that kind of thing and uh even more than a prank cuz I I don't know it just feels like I don't know it I love everyone for who's like showing up early and like waiting in line. Like I, it's just, it means so much to me. So you made somebody's um, night. Yeah. I hope, I hope uh, to continue to do that, you know, beyond like, I just think about like how ways I can do that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess night after night, you know, so little things like that, I hope people appreciate or whatever. And you know, it's all those, like all those photos, handshakes, whatever it is. Um, it really means a lot to me, you know, to to meet the fans and like have those experiences with them. I, I know I know it means a lot to them, but it really does mean a lot to me too. So yeah. uh, each each and every one, nice, very special, and I I appreciate it so much. So nice, uh, yeah, I'm eternally grateful to everybody. Well, out there listening and supporting us for well, real. Well, another gift that you're about to give them is uh, drip filled coming out uh june 24th there um yes tell it tell us a little bit about this album uh you know how how does it compare to shenanigans nightclub you know what what do you think the the goose faithful can expect here i mean they've already heard several singles from it but what can they expect overall i would say it's very different than shenanigans um it is we recorded it with a producer we've never worked with a producer before Mm -hmm. and he has never really worked with a jam band type band before, like mm-hmm. improvisational rock band. So it was a new experience for him and for us. And it led to some incredible results. 
we are always, I mean, we listen to so many different types of music and I feel like this album really hones in on like a lot of different influences and the sonics of it are unlike shenanigans and on the, which is, I, I would say like a, sonically a representation of it's closer to live, um, you know, sonically closer to our live show. Like we use mostly our, our normal instruments mm. on shenanigans. And uh, for this album, we did not. Mm. We used a lot of different drum sounds that we typically don't use a lot of different guitars and basses and different keyboard sounds that we would never use. Mm. So um sonically it's it's super different and it was a really fun exploration for us we had inc- we had so much fun making this record like it was one of the most fun things i've ever done in my entire life nice i love this record i love how it turned out i'm still listening to it and i still love it so it is a good sign for me you know i i, I hope everybody else likes it and in the same way i do i they probably won't love it as much as me so um <laughs> That's okay. You know, everyone's going to hold it in different ways. And, you know, I, I, I'm having a good time uh, talking about it and, uh, and all that. It's, it's been great. Can, can you think of any of the inspirations that you would say are on that record that people might not hear? At least, you know, you said uh, you came in with some inspirations there, a, a lot of different ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say JJ Kale mm. was a big influence for the record. Stevie Wonder, oh. um, and the Rolling Stones, like all these like classic, you know, like 60s rock definitely was, there's a lot of 60s rock influence, but then there's also a lot of like, I don't know, like modern indie influences that are on there. You know, um, I, I think about, yeah, I think about a track like Slow Ready is on there, but not how you would expect it. It feels like a, uh, you know, it feels very modern and 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 interesting to me, and I really like how we interpreted that. And there's a few other songs on there that are just interpreted so differently than the, how we usually play them. So nice, better for everyone to hear. Little little bit of of you guys getting out of your comfort zone, producer getting out of his comfort zone, and it all coming together. Yeah, yeah. Very nice, very nice. Well, now uh, last question: When you look down the road and you think goose. What, what's what's your what's yeah. your dream scenario for the band? Is it is it to be one of those Mount Rushmore jam, jam bands? Is it to be a Rolling Stones? Yeah, where where, where is it? Or are you already living the dream? <laughs> it's a great question. I am so appreciative and grateful for where we are at now. And I was I was I felt that way even three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's never changed. I think I just want to keep writing songs. I want to keep playing with my friends and, you know, all the fun experiences that have come along the way are great. But as long as I'm having fun with them, it, it honestly, like, it doesn't really matter where we end up. Um, so, you know, we're just going to keep doing that. And, uh, yeah, that is my primary focus. I'm not, it's not the destination it's the journey absolutely yeah i'm just trying to have make every day fun and work hard every day and yeah you know that that's that's how i feel like i've treated the last couple years so i'm gonna continue to focus on that l-i-v-i-n 
Living the dream Have right you. there. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Pete, yeah. we are up against a break. I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking to us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Goose at GooseTheBand.com. You can follow him on social media at GooseTheBand. Right now, let's hear Born off a of drip field right here on the Doc G Show.
here on the Doc G a show you just heard Goose and you just heard me talking to Peter Onspock of Goose such a fantastic guy Mike just so nice you know yeah just a, a good thing and and you know I I asked him there about getting really popular really fast and if he thought any of the folks in the jam band scene were like jealous of him you know, and maybe a little FOMO if you're thinking mm, back to true. the last show. You know, true. and he said no, it's all positive. You know, everybody's everybody's positive, looking out for each other. And I got to say, that's to pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you, you never know. There's probably yeah. some people there at home going ah, haters. If only it was me. If only why you wasn't know? it me? <laughs> you know, but I'll tell you why. Because Goose is super talented, man. They got some mm-hmm. players in that band. They got some super players, man. Super impressive. I'm so glad they got on the show. My friend Lee is going to be super happy. He's just a, a huge fan of Goose. Shout out to Lee. Shout out to Goose. Shout out. So glad they got to come on the show there, Mike. Uh, Mike, we need to get through these last two birthday suits. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it. I All think right. you can do it. Uh, so, uh, do you want the singer or the actress first? Let's go with the more difficult more difficult uh, birthday suit. More difficult, yeah. Okay, that'd be the singer, I would guess, I think. Let's go with the singer. Yeah, I think you said the singer was uh, the one. She that, has uh, she has one real big hit. So, uh, yeah, probably not going to Born on June 1st, 1974 in Ontario, Canada. Her birthday suit wearer started playing piano when she was six years old. She started recording music when she was a teenager and started sending demo tapes to record labels. In 1991, MCA Records Canada released her first album with the title being her first name. She had a very dancey pop sound then. She actually opened for Vanilla Ice, which I didn't know, in 1992. Her Hmm. second album, uh, Now Is The Time, was released in 1992. In 1995, she signed with Maverick Records and released a much edgier-sounding album. It was an international smash hit with singles You Oughta Know, All I Really Want, Hand in My Pocket, You Learn, and Head Over Feet. The album ended up selling 33 million copies worldwide. She had another big hit single in 2002 with Hands Clean. But aside from that, she's released six more albums. But none of them 
None of them have come close to that album, Jagged Little Pill, from 1995. Hmm. Name that birthday suit wearer. I don't know. Courtney Love? No idea. No idea, Dr. Lisa, you got a 90s girl singer. I'll give you that. I'll give you your initials. Let's see. A.M. Can you get it from that? A.M. Hmm. Nothing. I got nothing. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> what? She had plenty of singles. Those she were all had more of her than singles. singles. From really? those albums. Uh, you ought to know. All I really want. Hand in my pocket. You learn. Head over uh, feet. Ah, yes. Hand in my pocket. Why didn't I think of this, Dr. Yes, of mm. course. I love Alanis Morissette. Huge fan. I'm... I mean, she had a she had one album, not one hit. One hit album. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Oh. One hit it's album. Okay. She didn't really have any others besides uh, um, "Jagged Little Pill." Uh, oh, okay. I, I I don't think she'll be listening to this, so she won't be offended. But it's okay. <laughs> she had one album, and it's uh, you know that's way more than anybody else can say because she sold thirty three million copies of it. It's pretty, it's pretty <clears throat> popular. And I'll yeah, say sure. all. all all of those uh, songs on my '90s playlist. So, oh yeah, there, there it is. There it is. She's a great, Alan- yeah, great artist. A, a lot younger than I thought, actually. I hmm. mean, she's only 48. Like I thought she was older than that. Like she was pretty young. I yeah. mean, when you think about that, she was 21 when she came out with Jagged Little Pill. Hmm. 21. Interesting. And when she came out with her first album, it was 17. She was 17. It's crazy. She's, wow. Uh, you know teeny bopper when she first came out so she's you know still still out there still killing the game yeah. doing stuff yeah she was on rolling stone cover with o-rod from earlier mm. uh yeah they had a little nice. like uh, you know like oh this is the young guard versus the old the old guard Alanis mm. being the old guard no offense Alanis, you're still young in my book um <laughs> all right mike you can do it two for three you ready let's do it here we go. Born on June 1st, 1926, with the b- birth name Norma Jean Mortensen. Hmm. She was given up for adoption at a young age and had extremely difficult childhood. She had many moves in foster care, and she was actually molested by several adults throughout her childhood, which is one of the things that made her want to be an actress because it let her get away from her real life. At the age Uh, of 16, she was married to her 21-year-old neighbor so she wouldn't have to return to an orphanage. In 1945, she signed with Blue Book Model Agency after being discovered by David Conover. Uh, By 1946, she had already appeared on 33 magazine covers. She started acting in small roles in 1947. In 1950, she had a small role in Asphalt Jungle. 1951, she had uh, uh, moderately successful roles in Young As You Feel, Love Nest, and Let's Make It Legal. In 1953, she starred in Niagara, then Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and then How to Marry a Millionaire. In 1955, uh, she starred in Seven Year Itch, which had an iconic scene of her pushing her dress down as a subway grate blows it up in a white dress. 
1957, she starred in The Prince and the Showgirl. Then in 1959, the iconic Some Like It Hot. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer was heavily addicted to drugs later in her career. In 1962, she took her own life with barbiturate overdose. She has since grown into an American icon that rivals Elvis and Coca-Cola. The Smithsonian has her on the list of 100 most significant Americans of all time. Name that birthday suit wearer. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe is correct. Thought you get it, Mike. Thought you yeah. get it. Was it yeah, the dress or was it something else? Um, I just watched a documentary, but yeah, the dress definitely uh, gave it away. Yeah, there, the you watched the documentary. Nice. Was yeah. that on Netflix? What was that on? I think, it, yeah, it was on Netflix. Yeah, it was the, uh, yeah. Have to check it, it out. Great. Haven't checked it out, you know? Yeah, it's no, great. Marilyn Monroe, man. Tough life. Real tough yeah, life. Yeah, she did. Oh, tough. Really tough. You know? But she's a hard cookie there. Just getting mm -hmm. it, you know? Wow. People thought she was dumb. She worked her way through that system. She worked the whole system. But, you know, I mean, she couldn't. I, th I think that the demons of childhood got to her later in life. I think that was the yeah. main thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Just tough, man. Tough. But she is. She'll always be remembered. Always one of yeah. the icons of America, for sure. For sure, man. Happy birthday to Marilyn. She would have been uh, 96. This would have been 96. 96 birthday. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Happy birthday to Marilyn Monroe. Mike, we have great guests coming up. Fantastic guests. Next week, we have Flip Turn, hometown heroes of Northern uh, Florida. Can't wait for them to be on the show. They are going to be uh, headlining, Mike, the Bicentennial oh. of Jacksonville coming up in June. Nice. Yes. Just in a couple of weeks, they are going to be headlining the Bicentennial, and they're going to be on the Doc G show before that. Can't wait cool. to talk to the band we're gonna have tristan on the show we're gonna have madeline and we're gonna have dylan i can't wait to talk to all of them but mike we need to wrap up the show for now trust me when i say we have more great shows on the way but for now we need to wrap it up i have been your host doc g with me as always the one the only mikey maximus the Furnicus charette say what? doc g thank you so much for having me what a good time always always a good time it's always a pleasure, man. Or as you yeah. like to say, a pledge. A, a pledge. pledge. Mm -hmm. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.